time when you hear that grinder fire up. Yes, sir. It is grind time with Darren McCarty. Another edition, a very special edition. And if you see, there's no Perry. That's because Perry's got a job. Perry's got a job. But no, uh, unfortunately, uh, because of the scheduling and stuff like that, uh, I have to clip this because I got a very special two-part episode for you guys. Yes, you guys all know that. Let me start over. Okay. I was told at a young age, as most of you were, do not talk politics and do not talk religion. Well, we'll never talk about those two things here on Grind Time with Darren McCarty, but what we will talk about is spirituality. And this is what this episode and the next episode, so episodes 54 and 55, which are now, thank you, Andrew, um, 54 and 55 will be coming to you now. And if you can see, I have my Herzliya, Israeli hockey shirt on and I believe please don't quote me because uh this was over a couple months ago but I believe it was 2007 that the this hockey team here in Israel um in the men's uh first division uh was able to move up in the European League and be the first team in Israel to play so I was honored with my trip there over Thanksgiving of this uh past year um me and my boy Aaron uh, went over there with the Russian five Jenny Fedorovich uh, Raisa and Josh Real met up with Slava Fetisov, uh, debuted the Russian Five movie in Tel Aviv in, f- in front of a full house of very receptive and, and great hockey fans. Um, a lot of that, uh, I took some pictures, um, took, took a little bit of video and stuff like that. We're putting all that together for the in the clips, which you'll see. But what was very important here at NRM, Streamcast uh, when Grind Time with Darren McCarty came over, it was, it was a preparation. So let me take you back because the greatness of being able to go on a trip to Israel, and this is what I want to talk to people about. If you know me at all, okay. All you got to do is to know that you're not the end all be all, and there's something bigger than yourself. There, that's that's enough that that you need to know that there's a higher power in believing and. I'm not going to talk religion, but there's different books of the religion that speak to you, and there's different religions that speak to you. I believe that there's good in everything, and you take the good out of, out of it all, and it's all about the people. So in saying that, I'm very interested, not only because uh, I lived in West Bloomfield, which is a big, prominent Jewish community, but I have a lot of close friends um, that are Jewish, and I've really wondered why, you know, you sort of take to the lesson and take to the to the message of what the Toro had. So I was able to sit down, which was important before I went on the trip to come back and to be able to talk to Rabbi Svi Jacobson, who uh, has Let's Talk Torah here on NRM Streamcast. When's that on, Andy? Uh, that's on Thursday. Thursdays, yes, you can catch that on Thursdays here at NRM Streamcast. But I sat down and was able to ask questions. Now, um Part of what we're going to cover in the in the first part is that I'll tell you is is I had to get it off the chest, but the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, whatever you want to call it, it's a magical place. And my experience from it um, is that no matter, you know, you, you get there and there's thousands of people around, but when you get to the wall, it's just you and that wall. And uh, I left a, they said to write a message, and I left it in uh, in the wall. And you know what? Uh, it's like a birthday gift, so I can't tell you what it was, but what I will tell you is that it's uh, so some of the things are coming to fruition. So um, 
That's all I can say, whether you believe or not. So um, this part, uh, we're going to cover this, uh, with Shvi. We're going to cover uh, talking about Israel, the Western Wall, what makes it holy, how I felt there. And uh, when Jews are present, Israel prospers. And you know what? The one thing, if I took away, there's two things that I want you to know from this trip. I came back, and it wasn't that I necessarily need to know where I'm going. I just have to know exactly what I don't want. And I exactly know what I don't want and who I want to be around. So that, and in the Torah when it says, God's eyes are on Israel, I've been there. That's a fact. Here it is, episode one with Rabbi Svee Jacobson. Enjoy, Grind Time with Darren McCarty exclusive. Hey guys, here we are, sitting here, uh, Grind Time with Darren McCarty at NRM Streamcast, and I'm honored to have, I'm gonna call this my Israel trip recap with Rabbi Svi. Thank you for joining me, Rabbi. Um, can you tell me, Svi, right? You, now you were, you were explaining before in eighth grade, can you tell the story to my fans out there? Yeah, sure. Um, when I was in eighth grade, three boys in our class had the same name. Svi is a hard name to pronounce. People think Steve, they, it's hard to pronounce. So the boy told the teacher, my name is Svi like in pretzel. I love it. So <laughs> he obviously meant the middle part of the word and the teacher of course was thrown for a loop and uh, there we, go. we survived through the years somehow. Well, I'm not gonna call you pretzel, but I like, but I like Svi. But um, anyway, so you teach third grade. Teach third grade in, boys. In Southfield. Right here in Southfield, been teaching for about 25 years. Yeah, what do you enjoy um, about teaching? Obviously, for doing it that long, there's got to be some great enjoyment of it. You know, I love it. I love children. I love teaching. I actually teach all ages. I teach adults. I teach children. Uh, and people wonder, you can get bored. It's the same material, but it's not the same material. It, it is Torah. It's Bible study. Um, different children coming from different backgrounds, different types of questions, things that interest them. My brain is thinking, always learning new stuff, always finding new stuff. I'm growing, the children are growing. I, I just love it. What is the message that, I guess, to the young people that, that you reach um, with the Torah these days? What is something that we all can take from it? There's lessons for everyone. I, one of the things I do when I study with people is they'll, they'll say, well, you know, this is happening in the world. What does the Torah say about this? Now, obviously, the Torah was written, it was handed down to Moses 3,300 years ago. But the message is there's always a message. There's always lessons. There's numerous stories. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Jewish people. And the Torah never shies away when somebody does something wrong. They actually blow it up, things with King David and King Saul. There's stories throughout. And part of those stories are lessons that we can all share and all learn from and all grow from. And that's, I teach it to third graders, I teach it to adults, I teach it on my show. And we'll talk about some of those today, if you'd like. Yeah, I, I, obviously, you know, one of the, one of the th things that uh, having traveled uh, over Thanksgiving, um, to just coming back from Israel and being able to go over there with uh, the documentary, The Russian Five, but also to promote ice hockey um, in Israel. Ice which, hockey in Israel. That, that's where, where, you, where that sort of threw you off a little bit, but uh, it, it goes to show you there's, a, there's an excitement by uh, some of the young um, Jewish kids. And, and a lot of what I found is skating over there not only the ones that were watching, but the 20-somes that had come over to 
Canada or the States and played hockey and experienced it and come back with the same passion, you know, for the game. So one of the things that I'm going to be trying to do is to promote um, ice hockey in Israel, because again, just like you said, Mel, one of the things that I was able to, to travel around, we stayed in Tel Aviv and was able to go to Jerusalem, to the old city and the, uh, obviously the Dead Sea. Wow. It, the biggest thing is that there is every person in the world, I guess you could say, type of person in the world there, but there's something very special about it. And, and it doesn't matter what denomination you are to see everybody work in unison, I guess you could say, like, I'm going to say at the help. whaling, but at the Western wall. Right. Sure. And, and that's, you know, where, where I want to start to focus on because when you walk down the corridors, which by the way, they're small. When you're walking around the old city of Jerusalem and you think back that how long has that city been there? Like how long, if I'm walking on it's like... It's unfortunately going through so many wars. There's there's all those excavations. I don't know if you went into the tunnels yeah, underneath the wall. We, we, we saw them and, 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 but there's always like something, excavations going on. But. It's like cities on top of cities. So it's, it's certainly a good three or 400 years Jewish wise before the first temple was even built. So we're talking, the, the Jews came into Israel. Well, the Hebrew date would have been about 2488 and we're in 57 now. So we're talking over 3000 years ago. But, but there's been cultures and cultures built on top of and the Jews came in and conquered and then they were exiled 700 years later and then they came back and then exiled again. So there's been numerous nations living there, building cultures, coming, going. The streets now obviously would seem are much higher than they were right. earlier because they've just been built on top of ruins. But like even the Western Wall, was it like, it wasn't like looking at some, um, uh, you know, uh, Empire State Building. It wasn't no. that tall. No, absolutely not. Well, I, uh, if I was to guess, I would say <coughs> maybe 50 feet, you know. So, it's not that tall. But it's not like, it's not that, like you can definitely stand. And when you're standing, when I uh, give people a view, when you walk down down it says western wall and then you walk through a little security there and then it sort of opens up and on the left side is where the men uh worship and then on the right side separated is where the women but when you stand on the top there you can pretty much see straight over, over. The top so it's so it's really not that big but but there's a what i noticed is it's somebody said well was it loud and i said no but it was the i the humming of the prayer it was a very tranquil, powerful place. First yeah. of all, do you know what the Western Wall is? What was the wall for? So it was really almost like a protective wall. It was the Temple Mount is, there's the, the temple is on the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock axes over the Holy of Holies. Right. And then you had almost like these, I don't want to call them retention walls. You almost had like these protective walls to keep everybody out. So obviously there were four walls. There's only one left. So where that wall come from? What is that wall? So interesting enough, um, when the Romans came to destroy the second temple, so they wanted to flatten everything. So there were four generals and each one, part of his job was to destroy a wall. So one of the generals said, I'm gonna leave my wall because if we flatten everything, no one will know what we destroyed. That was this general's intent. 
He told the, the Roman general, I believe it was uh, Titus, I believe that's the pronunciation. So he told that general that uh, I left one wall so everyone could see how mighty you are. So the general said, thank you very much, but you didn't follow directions and he killed him. But the wall stayed. Now what's interesting is the Talmud actually says that the Western wall will never be destroyed. And one of the reasons is all the walls were built maybe by wealthier people. This wall was built by the poor people. This was their wall. But the rabbis had said way back that that Western wall is never being destroyed, which is really fascinating. Yeah. Because Titus was on his way, gave the directions to destroy all four. A general decided not to listen. After Titus kills him, he decides to leave the wall. That's what the wall is. So the wall is not really part of the temple. It's just like an outer wall. And that's for Orthodox Jews. That's as close as they'll go. They will not walk onto the Temple Mount because we're no longer pure. That has to do with touching dead bodies and other stuff. So therefore, Jews actually won't walk onto the Temple Mount. Another fascinating thing is the Jordanians actually have guards. And their job, I don't know if you ran into them, their job is to make sure that Jews don't go on the Temple Mount. So they're actually doing me a favor because there's areas you wouldn't even know are holy and uh, and there's somebody saying, you know, you don't belong here. Others will go. Okay, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Now, I experienced that as, I guess I'm a Christian and stuff like that. Is it the same? We all experience the same thing there. Is that what we're like? I'm, I'm trying to, my goal is to, is to show people how we're much more alike than we are different, right? Okay. And 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 in that, I really recognize that event. A lot of places I've been on Earth, but sort of expected it. But right there, your question is, why should you feel anything? Right. So, I'll throw out another question at you. I'm, this is what I do. I'm I a love, teacher. Well, I throw and, out and, questions. And, and this is and this is why we're here. Uh, Shiv, so that, that, that I am I'm blessed. So That's please. it. We're gonna we're gonna have fun with this one. So here's an interesting difference between Christianity and Judaism, and we'll put Islam in another department. And that is you. There's stories you'll know better than I, where there'll be a, and I guess a picture of Virgin Mary, and maybe they saw her cry or something, and that becomes a holy place. Even though the, if there was a miracle there, people say they saw a miracle there. Um, they're not seeing the miracle today, but they say they once saw a miracle. So that becomes a holy place. Do I have that yes. pretty much right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So you were in Israel. You, I don't know if you traveled deep into the Sinai Desert. So Mount Sinai right. is in the middle of the desert somewhere right. down there. I actually never went. Um, there is nothing holy about Mount Sinai today, even though God's presence came down and he gave the Jewish people the Torah and all the religions are based on the Torah. But there is no, there's nothing holy about that mountain. We could go to the mountain, we could walk on it, you can make an ice skating rink on the mountain if you would want to, I don't know why. <laughs> but there's nothing holy about that mountain. Right. So what, it, it, by Judaism, what makes something holy and something not holy is God's presence. If God's presence is there, it's holy. Absolutely. As soon as God's presence leaves, it's another mountain. Absolutely. So now we can answer the question after all our different points. So God's presence has never left the temple mount. God's presence is there. Maybe not what it was in the first temple, maybe not even when the temple was up and operating in the second temple, but as long as God's presence is there, it's holy. I, and, and you know what, too, so here's the difference between having this conversation 
um, before I left having this conversation being back is that I'm <laughs> a person that has been through a lot of ups and downs, but I realized that, you know, that growing up, if I was told something by an elder, well, they say, where'd you hear that? And I'd say, well, Mrs. Smith told me and they'd be like, okay, well, that's true. Well, nowadays that's not true and you have to find out yourself. So having been there is that makes so much sense because as um, you being Jewish and me being Christian or whatever, I, I still think I'm more Jewish if then because of, okay. because of the belief in the Old Testament and fact that you just said black and white because of the presence of God. And the places that, so the places like the wall where I went to, as opposed to maybe the monastery where John the Baptist or, or other Christian things were, were, didn't have that presence would, would make so much sense in my journey, right? Because w would you agree that all of these things were just preparing ourselves or educating ourselves for our own personal journey, whether you're teaching third graders, adults having a conversation with me, it's, it's sort of the awareness of, of the why. And that explanation was, was so great because I would say to grind time listeners out there, Hey, go to the Western wall and you will feel the presence of God. Bottom line. Money back guarantee. Money, that is a money back guarantee. Yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll say that. And then I also went down to the Dead Sea. So can you, I'm confused even as far as like the history, cause I could say that I'm not as well educated, but cause when you're traveling and you can see the beauty of Israel, the country, and from the, from the minute you get off the plane and there's an orange trees right there, which to me, it, I go, they purposely built around this orchard and you see fruit everywhere for the people. You see cats running around, people feeding the birds. It's the acceptable, the care. And then you drive, like I said, down to the Dead Sea, the lowest point um, on earth, right? And you gotta drive through the Palestine and it's a desert and it's, it looks exactly like the worst parts of, you know, where you'd see war torn or, or stuff like that to get to something. How, can you explain to me just a little bit of the history or what, until this point? Sure, it happens to be interesting that Israel is a country just from north to south. You could, not that I, I'm not a skier. Right. I, I like my legs, I know too many podiatrists. <laughs> so I'll, I'll snow to my kids up north, that we like to do. But north Israel, you got uh, Mount Hermon. Hermon is up in the north, they have snow, they have skiing. Obviously there's deserts. My daughter just came back from a lot and she was snorkeling, I think. Wow. So there's, there's everything from top to bottom. There's, it just, it's, it's amazing, it everything in that country, that's for sure. But because you asked the question as a, as a historical question, here's something to think about. Um, as long as there's Jews in the country, the country seems to be fantastically built up. So it actually says in the Torah, it says one of the curses, if the Jewish people are not behaving, it says they're going to be thrown out of the land and the land will be like desolate and empty. And the rabbis, the commentaries explain that there's a blessing in there. And you know, if, if Israel is our land, so if we're there, so I'm home, so everything should be good. If I'm, if I'm thrown out, like, like different exiles, we've been thrown out. So now all of a sudden the land is not good for anybody. 
So what happens is you have first temple, everything is amazing. We're thrown out between the first and second temple. So for 52 years, either 52 or 54, I think 52, the land is empty. The prophets say even birds didn't fly over the land. Then we start coming back for the second temple. All of a sudden there's a rebirth. Comes the end of the second temple, 420 years later, we're again thrown out. There's always been some Jews, but pretty much for a good 1800 years, the country was pretty desolate. Just, that would not be a place you would want to visit. Right. Deserts, swamps, malaria, all the things that in the 1800s, when people started coming back, they had to, they made the kibbutzim and the moshavs, they had to start refixing the agriculture. And without, I'm not a political person. Right. But what, what happened was, that is the Jews would buy areas and they would want to start their farms and they would have to clean it up and, and the eucalyptus trees to clean up the swamps. So all of a sudden you would have the, the I don't call them Palestinians, but the Arabs would come because now there's, now there's work. Right. And the country started getting built up. So what happens is, as long as the Jews are out of Israel, the, the, this is Israel's land. This is the Jewish people's land. It's the Jewish people's land. So it's built up when they're there. Oh. When they're gone, it collapses. And, 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 and when they come back, it gets built up again. And you know what? It's, as we're talking of Jerusalem and the old city and how long it's been there and, and walking and saying how ancient I would say it is, then you have Tel Aviv. And when you t talk about why that makes sense is because if you think of this country, which was formed in which year? What Israel's a country since 40, 48. 48, right? So we're talking 70 years and it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I picture like standing in the, the Tel Aviv and the, the square and taking pictures and looking at the highest buildings, but you can see and and just the progress, but just the, the where what you say makes sense. And but not just that. So that's as you look at it sort of of a North American eye on progress. But then I look and I see everywhere there's fruit and there's plentiful fruit growing for the people that you would not see here. Now it it was there's so much contrast because even the the beauty of one to the other so so then so that's where the as you say the arab controlled parts of it is where you see it more of the desert compared to where the israeli that's pretty much and again, without, again, I'm not yeah, a no, political no, person. No, we're, we're, we we're not doing politics. We're right, doing... Even the areas um, like Gush Katif, where they, they had the, the Israelis pulled out the settlement, and it was, it was, it was well known. They had all their, um, what are those, um, the greenhouses, and they were, they were very into, I think, um, romaine lettuce was one of their big stuff, and it was beautiful. Right. And they pulled them out. And that beautiful area has just been demolished. It's, it's unbelievable. But once you're talking about land, you're talking about fruit. Let me tell you another, you like, you like the spiritual stuff. Right. There happens to be a law. It's called, the, it's called the sabbatical year. You familiar with it? No. Good. That's what I'm here to teach you. I See? love it. That's the best part. So the sabbatical year is that every seventh year, the land has to lay fallow. That's the law. In Israel, only not if I'm a farmer in Detroit, I can do whatever I want. But in Israel, a Jewish farmer, he's not, not Jewish, he can do whatever he wants, but the land's supposed to lay fallow. So, so it's fascinating. Again, nowadays we have a lot of modern technology and we have nutrients we put in the ground, the fertilizer. Um, and there was a concept that you would let areas lay fallow because if you every year pull from the same area, you're destroying all your crops. Right. 
So God says, every seventh year, you're going to let the land fallow, nothing grows. I mean, it could grow by itself, but you're not, you're not plowing, you're not harvesting. And by the way, it's ownerless. You can't take my land, you can't build on it. But right. when you see that beautiful orange growing from the tree, walk right into my field and take it, have a good day. That's the rule in the sabbatical year. Everything is ownerless. Everyone gets the same food. You want to take some home, take some home. That's the, so what's again fascinating is in the rules of laying fallow, if you let a land, land go one year, two years, three years, four years, the longer you go till you leave the field, the worse the produce is going to become. Right, right. So God says, if you're going to keep the sabbatical year, I guarantee you in the sixth year, you're going to have double and triple. So what's interesting is in the, it, it's more accepted now that farmers can leave their land fallow for the seventh year. It, most of the, you know, from 1900, probably through 1970 for sure, that was a big fight. Right. Because it was a poor country and they needed the land right, and they needed right, the food right. and they were afraid. So there was a Moshav called Komamios. That was the name. So they were religious Moshav, uh, it's a farm communion, I guess what you call it. And uh, they had to fight with the government to say, we don't want to plant things in the, in the seventh year. Right. And they said, you want to use our land, you're going to follow our rules. So they said, look, um, keep track of how much everybody makes every year, how much the land produces. And as long as we're good over the seven year haul, right. we should be good. They said, fine. So they have, they have this in their books. Year one, two, three, let's say it's, I don't know, 800, I don't know, boxes, right. who cares, right. right? And then all of a sudden, everybody in the sixth year has that same 800 boxes, yeah. and this Komias all of a sudden has 1,900. So they, the they get to leave fall over the seventh yeah. year, and they're still ahead of the game. Yeah. That's part of this. So when you're talking about the fruit and the food and the growing, the, Israel is a different kind of land. God says, it's also a verse. He says, my eyes are watching the land of Israel. That's where it's at. So that's why you feel more spirituality. That's why the land is different. Great the rabbis. Food is, the food is different. Well, it's a Middle Eastern country, but yes. But no, but I'm just saying that the, so the fact that uh, the tomato or the cucumber, it's it, it tastes of the land. It tastes like it was made there. You taste the spirituality. I taste huh? the spirituality. That's a good. Head. That's a good spot to stop here. Uh, we're gonna take a break here. Grind time with Darren McCarty with my boy Pretzel. Sweet, 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 sweet. Not pretzel, not pretzel. Sweet. sweet, very good. So that's it. Well, there you go, guys. There's part one with Rabbi Svi. Thank you very much. I hope you might have learned something, but stay tuned. Uh, for this next edition, part two coming up. But remember, guys, um, here's uh, our friend Dan O'Connor. And I want people to know there's a book out there called The Warrior's Garden by uh, Ralph Gaskin, Malakius, um, who uh, we've connected uh, online. And uh, this is a great book for anybody uh, with PTSD that's struggling with it or maybe has uh, loved ones. Check it out, A Warrior's Garden. Uh, Dan, we're always thinking about you. And in that aspect, guys, you know here on Grind Time, there's one thing. No matter how many times you fall down, get your ass back up. That's Grind Time. We're out.